0: Financial residency podcasts are brought to you this week by WeatherbyHealthcare.com. Just as the right advice helps you thrive financially, the right support team allows you to excel professionally. Weatherby Healthcare's Locums experts will match you with the best jobs, prepare you for success, and provide 24 7 support. The bottom line is that working Locums with Weatherby helps you earn more money and take better control of your career. If that sounds like music to your ears, Head over to weatherbyhealthcarecom payday to get started. Hi, and welcome to Financial Residency Grand Rounds with Dr. Tammy. I was doing some research lately about remote monitoring, and I came across a company that really impressed me with their customer-friendly platform. So I called and spoke with their two founders and was really amazed at the level of service that their company provides. But I was even more surprised to find out the potential revenue stream that this type of service can provide to a clinic while increasing patient satisfaction and compliance with prescribed treatments. So I invited their two founders here to talk with us today. So in case any of you have clinics and had been thinking about something like this, it might give you some more information to see if something like this is right for you. I'd like to welcome Dr. Bob Pollack and Sam Romeo to the show. Hi, guys.
1: Hello.
2: Hi, hey, Tammy. Thanks for the opportunity to chat today.
0: Oh, I'm just so glad you guys agreed to come on. You shared so many things that I had no idea were even possible. So yeah, I'm excited to have you. Well, Bob, let's start with you. You're the medical side of this brilliant idea. So how did you come up with the idea to start a company to provide remote monitoring? And why did you find that necessary?
1: I started practicing medicine 49 years ago. And at that time, the only way you communicated with the patient was face-to-face. There was nothing else. Although I grew up in a doctor's house and we had push-button phones and that allowed us to answer the doctor's telephone inappropriately. And I learned about telephones really well. Over time, we've gotten to a point where there are not enough doctors, a large number of patients, very complicated illnesses and we ran into a problem that was called recidivism. Recidivism is when patients continue to go back into the hospital, possibly unnecessary because they can't get enough care, they can't reach the doctor, they can't get the medicine, and something had to be done. So the first thing that the government did in a interesting fashion was to create a bracket. The bracket was 30 days. When a patient's discharged from a hospital, They have to stay out at least 30 days. And if they don't, they ask for your money back. So doctors were paying large amounts of money back in. The patients were not getting their care. So someone said, well, what else can we do? And then they started doing a home health and they started doing other very costly solutions. We had an event two years ago that really solidified what options we have. It was called a pandemic pandemic made people recognize that we have things like telehealth. Telehealth has been here a long time, but now it is part and parcel of healthcare delivery. Now, telehealth junior is really via telephones, via electronic devices, and all of a sudden people recognize that if you provide cellular devices to take blood pressure, PO2s, heart rates, blood sugar, We can have that information in seconds to minutes. We can see how the patients are doing. We can get that information. We can call them and check on them, and we can in turn give the physicians that information. That is a phenomenal change in healthcare. That means that patients at not just 80 and 90 years old, but patients like me, younger, 75, can still reach their doctors <laughs> and get that information out. So Medicare being the primary purveyor, now they decided that we can pay everybody. So, mm-hmm. and I'll let Sam address that a little bit more, but what we now have is the ability to track people, vital signs. We also recognize that there is a behavioral health component that's extremely important. And we want to know patients mood and we want to know patients level of anxiety as this applies directly to their state of mind, their ability to take care of their physical health and their responsiveness. We use simple tools. One's called a PHQ-9. One is GAD-7. These were invented by Dr. Spitzer, who is unfortunately no longer with us. They are simple tests to take. They have pretty strict criteria as to when additional care is needed, depression being the number one illness in the world. It's there and it interferes with everything, especially your care, reception rather, and GAD7 does the same thing with anxiety. We have paired the two together. The first one is it was called remote patient monitoring, (PM), and the next one is the BHI behavioral health integration. By integrating all of this information, we get a very good view of how the patient is doing, what's going on, how to communicate to the physician, And we save a tremendous amount of leg time, labor. Patients have their doctors handy because the doctors now have this information taken on a daily basis. It was a natural that this would have some companies to do this. There are a lot of them. We are one of the few that have direct personal contact. If Medicare or the physician says, you know, I don't know what happened with my patient. I'm not sure. They just let us know. And we turn around and is your information. That's what we do. And we do it on a very personal level. We have individual people who contact the patients on a daily basis. We have notes. I read them. Uh, I can see how it flows. We have graphics. And as time goes on, we will have a differential analytics to take a look at patterns and trends as we go forward. That's simply put what we do from a medical standpoint. And I should probably turn it over to my partner, who can tell you how it
0: works. Sounds very labor intensive. When we're talking about, you know, monitoring a patient for a month, how many touches with that patient do you have? Like how many times are they having to upload their data? How many data points do you get to share with the physician?
2: Well, Tammy, it starts before that. Okay. Uh, when you talk about being labor intensive, I think first and foremost, as Dr. Pollock alluded to, we're a, we're a patient-friendly or RPM. Let me just say RPM needs to be patient-friendly, right, for it to work. So you need to have that culture where you actually make a patient feel comfortable with what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And we built that culture in our back office, even though it's a highly technical process with the devices and the portals and the interface, it's still people. And- I think Bob would tell you, at least I've talked to him about this, one of the problems in healthcare is adherence, whether that's taking medication, whether that's doing what the doctor tells you to do. So that's key. And you don't have good adherence unless you simplify the process. So number one is we create that culture on the phone with the patients once we get their consent we deliver them the device so we get them comfortable with the device we need greater than 16 readings a month basically okay so that's right. actually the readings that we get so that adherence to get them to 16 or better is important so we have enough data that we can track and trend and look at but it's important that we keep making those touches to make sure that we get those readings now as Bob alluded to, we tried to make it as user-friendly as possible. So rather than using app-based devices, we use cellular devices. So the patient doesn't need to log into an app, download to an app. All they need to do is put on the blood pressure cuff, take the reading, watch it go to the cloud, and within seconds, it's in our portal.
0: So they don't really have to do much at all, except you know push the button to run the blood pressure that's
2: it okay the the monitoring equipment takes care of it from there it actually gives you a signal that says reading sent our back office clinicians pick that up immediately it goes into the portal and it's tracked we're proud to say that i think any rpm company would tell you that the importance is getting the patients to adhere to what you're asking them to sure. do right So you've got to have a culture where your back office personnel want not have to talk to a patient. They want to talk to a patient. And when we got into this, Bob educated me pretty well. He said, you know, you need to generate a revenue stream. You need to create a business. But first and foremost, you need to take care of patients. That is first and foremost about what we do is have RPM make sure that the patients feel that they're getting better care while they're not in an office seeing a doctor. It's basically what we do. So we've made it a very user-friendly process from a patient perspective, but it also has to be a very user-friendly process for the clinic. As Bob alluded to, we've talked to several clinics and we have some good partners now and The one thing I've learned is most clinics get resource constrained. This can't be a burden to a clinic. It has to be very user-friendly and ease of doing business. So basically the way you do that is provide a turnkey process. So we have provided a turnkey process from vetting a clinic's database creating eligibility list, giving that eligibility list back to the clinic so they understand who's eligible for the RPM program. We reach out on their behalf, we get the consent of the patients, we order the devices, we ship the devices, we onboard and we provide billing information. And upon request, we'll do the billing on behalf of the clinic from a clinic's perspective, we're very user-friendly. It's a process that requires very little work or labor from their perspective, and they get the benefit of the data, the information that comes in. Now, also what's important, no clinics like redundancy. So what we're able to do if we have access to the clinic's database, is every month, all the data that we have received from a particular patient is uploaded into the patient files. This is in their EHR system. So they don't have to go anywhere else. They don't need to log into our portal, which they can, which they can, but they don't have to, to get their patient data. So So think about that. If you haven't seen, if you're a doctor and you've not seen a person for two and a half, three months, and they come to see you, you can actually click on the remote monitoring tab and you can see blood pressure readings for the last two months.
0: Oh, that's great.
2: You can see highs and lows, trends. It's not like just coming in and taking the blood pressure once or depending on them to go out and get a blood pressure cuff, take their own readings and write it down in a tablet.
0: (laughs) Yep. I have counseled patients to do that many times. Take it to your doctor. To
2: to, to speak personally, I had a mother-in-law and it's one reason I got into this and she got instructed to do that. And that's tough. I mean, you know, do you write the right number down? Do Do you forget to write the number down? And what time so, of day did
0: it happen?
2: That's the other thing, Tammy. It's a good point. Everything, all the data we get time stamped. So we know what time of day it was taken, which is also very important. RPM, we think, is very important for all the medical reasons that Bob alluded to. To get it done right, believe me, there's hurdles to overcome. But you have to have the patient adherence and ease of use for the clinic if you can Kick all those boxes off. You take better patient care and you do have a enhanced revenue stream for the clinic, which is also important.
0: Sure. Let me ask you another question. It sounds like all of this is automated. Um, you send the reports maybe once a month back into EHR. But what happens if on Tuesday afternoon you find a blood pressure of 220 over 110 are they going to find that out at the end of the month? Are you going to let the practitioner know real time? How does that work? Real time. Oh, real good. Time. Okay. So there's
2: alerts. We set alerts for all patients. Now, we have what we would, through the American Heart Association, for example, on blood pressure, we set parameters, right? Okay. But the doctor can obviously go in and, and communicate with us and they can tailor the alerts for patients. We will send the alerts immediately to the doctor or the doctor's representative who, when we set it up, if we don't get recognition that that alert was acknowledged, mm-hmm. we get back to that respective person many times.
0: Oh, right? that's good.
2: Yeah. So, yeah. So the breaches get attention immediately. And that's another advantage. I mean, that's the preventive side, right? Of, hey, we've identified something here that needs attention. So we have data that says for about every 200 patients, right, Mm -hmm. that when you look at alerts and clinic attention, for every 200 patients, it takes about roughly an hour and a half of the clinic's time to respond to, right? That's the monitoring roughly of 200 patients. We have history that that's what it looks like. It doesn't take a lot of time. You know, the other thing, it's like that's a side benefit of this. It's amazing when you're requiring someone to take their blood pressure reading and the person on the other end knows it's being monitored and they know people are getting back to them. It's like a coach in a gymnasium, right? If you go work out, you probably. Get a better workout when you have a personal trainer. You have somebody there that's watching you do it, right? Sure. Rather than going in your bedroom and get on a treadmill.
1: In healthcare, we know that when you monitor, you get an instant 30% improvement. When you take a large amount of information, 30% just happens because you know someone's doing it. That was the whole pressure on managed care. We know that you're watching me, so we do better. And it works there. The other piece is we have all this stuff graphically, and right now it's linear graphics. If I open up the screens, which I do a lot, and you start seeing blips or times or different kinds of patterns, you talk to the clinician and say, you may want to look at this person and see what's going on. So in addition to all of the metrics and all the data we have, we have eyeballs that know how to look at large amounts of data relatively quickly. Again, having been doing this for slightly less than half a century, sounds better. I can tell you that when you see it in large numbers, I ran a national managed care company and I knew that the graphics told me as much as the numbers did.
0: Sure. Do you have any data on how much remote monitoring actually decreases patients going back into the hospital within 30 days, the recidivism rate?
1: empirically can tell you that it's a huge number because you gotta figure that the amount of money that doctors return to hospital are in the millions. And so they need to get there. Their first target was 30% and then 50% and then 70%. I think we're still floating around the 30. Sam do you have any handle on no, the number? I, I, what, you know, what I've seen all the way through is that the numbers are, are astronomical. Globally, the, the concept of RPM will we'll do that. It forces you into that if you do it. Sure. And so the problem has always been getting the patients into the hospital. And as, as one, one patient once described to me, he says, let me tell you what this does to my day. I have to get up. I have to get prepared. I have to get in my car. I have to go to your office. I have to sit in your office until somebody sees me. Then I have to get my vital signs or whatever. Then I have to go back. We're talking about three hours of my day. Then when they introduced measurements, when they introduced RPM, when they introduced telehealth, which RPM is a derivative of it, then it's different. One of my patients was so happy, he leaned back on the screen when we were doing telehealth with him. He lifted his foot in the air. I said, what's that? He says, that's a bunny slipper. I can wear my bunny slippers. I don't have to do that. I can't do that in your office. (laughs) So now you're saving time and you're giving people the freedom to be at home, the freedom to take their blood pressure. And when you look at the blood pressures when they come in, well, do they always take them at 8 a.m.? Do they take them at 2 p.m.? Do they take them at night? There are patterns in people's lives. If you see that their blood pressure is up at 2 p.m. every day, and you start looking at that, it may not be up to 180 over 110, but it may be consistently up. Well, what's going on? What's going on with their diet? What's going on with their day? There's a tremendous amount of information here. When you start doing regression analysis and you'll see how the numbers tell you the facts. I mean, this is from my perspective and my dad practiced medicine 55 years. So between the two of us, we have a century. And this is the best single event, aside from some of the medicines and vaccinations, that is out there to make a huge difference in the lives of people at a very low cost.
2: The answer to the question you asked may be indirectly. Let me give you some examples. So we've had this happen probably half a dozen times at least. And I get the feedback from my back office, right? So we have patients that we're monitoring and we, they have high readings, right? And they've breached and the back office personnel reach out and make contact. And the patient will say, well, my blood pressure cuff is not working properly. And we'll say, okay, well, let's work through this together. So we work through it. The readings come back that consistently high. So then our back office personnel will actually just ask some questions. Well, It appears the cuff seems to be consistent and working properly. Are you feeling okay? Are how are you doing? Right? Mm -hmm. You know, there are several times where they will say, "Let me check. I'm not sure if I've taken my medication." Right? So a lot of times they haven't. So they will actually say, "You know, I don't know how, but I've skipped taking my medication." Now, if we weren't monitoring, you'd never know. Or they would call the emergency room or they would call the doctor mm-hmm. and they weren't even monitoring themselves. They could have to go to the emergency room for sure. an event. It's that type of thing that becomes a bit anecdotal, but not really, if you know what I mean. I mean that that interface has prevented something, right? It's all those little nuances when you have a process in place where you're actually taking the data. And interfacing with patients remotely really provides good benefit. I think it provides the right
1: behavior as well. So we're excited about what we do.
0: I can see that. It's a
1: practical event that takes place on a regular basis. And that's in some of the lower level care and nursing homes, day hospitals, and so forth. Most of these folks don't have doctors on duty after 11 o'clock. So if a patient has a hypertensive event or doesn't feel well, at 11 o'clock, the doctor doesn't get called. They send the patient to the emergency room. So now if you're just looking at cost, it's a piece of health care, just looking at cost, you've just taken a person, you've transported them to a hospital, you've gone into an emergency room, you've seen a doctor, and by that time, the is feeling better, the blood pressure is stabilizing, or they modify the medicine. So they modify the medicine, the patient goes back. So now it's four o'clock in the morning. Older person has had their sleep disrupted. Her or his doctor doesn't know what has taken place until the next morning. That's a delay of a lot of time. That's a waste of a lot of time. That's an increase in the cost for transportation and fees. And that can be completely eliminated by them having their own system, picking up their blood pressure cuff, taking it. It goes in. If it's, there's an alert, we know about it. We contact all the people necessary. There's so many nuances to this that make such a big difference. I think Sam describes the system a whole lot better than I do, which is why I get to shut up because he does it better. But I have, my head is still on practicing. I mean, I've been practicing medicine since 1975. Yeah. So you see all this stuff. We've tried to take the whole technology...
2: Piece of what is necessary to do remote monitoring and humanize it.
0: I can so see how that would work.
2: It is technology that allows us to do what we do. We have a very sophisticated portal. We use cellular devices. So the technology is obviously an enabler, but the technology in itself is not the differentiator.
0: And it sounds human. simple enough that no matter if you're 85 years old and don't know how to work a computer, you can still benefit from this system.
2: Exactly. And that's the human piece, the human piece, the human aspect, the human interface, coupled with the technology is what's important. You know, I, th- I think that if you do that and you do that well, clinics see the benefit, uh, doctor's offices see the benefit, patients see the benefit. And if you can get all that together, where patients feel what they're doing is necessary and important, and the clinics use the information in the proper way, it's better healthcare.
0: Let's move into the financial side of it. Absolutely can see how patients benefit, hopefully keeps them out of the hospital because you're finding the real-time events that lead up to hospitalizations that maybe you have time to intervene on to prevent that hospitalization. I was so amazed at the revenue stream that you guys told me about um, that's available to the clinics for doing this real-time patient monitoring. Can you kind of describe that?
2: Yeah, I, I think I can broadly describe it. The revenue stream for the clinics, depending on the patient population, can be very rewarding. I'll put it that way. I don't like to really kind of talk numbers because it's, but anyway, it's what we reach for are those patients that are fully covered by Medicare other private insurance companies, Mm -hmm. right? So that's what, when we run an eligibility list, that's who we target in the patient, in the clinic's database. And that's who we start with. We have a track record where we actually do the billing for some customers and what we're charging for and what we're doing is being reimbursed at a very, at the level expected from those insurance companies it can provide a revenue stream of, depending on patient population, 80 to a hundred to $200,000 a year, depending on patient population. It's not a small amount of money.
0: Sure. But here's,
2: here's, here's the beauty of that. The beauty of that is how low risk it is because in our model, we don't provide any upfront cash. So there's really no cash out of pocket to the clinic we do all the vetting we do the monitoring and then we provide a fee they get reimbursed and we provide a fee we be an ITS so no upfront cost so it's very little risk some clinics may get concerned about well what about if you're charging medicare you know if there's an audit or if something happens what well our systems are fully robust we provide that data we have reams of data per patient per month of contacts that we've made, time that we've monitored, readings, et cetera. That's all documented. It's done. We would not dare charge for anything we didn't do. Right.
1: Sure.
2: So we understand the liability of that. You just simply can't do it. So we have a very robust system. We take that at heart. Obviously, our CEO's a medical doctors. So he makes certain things be very important to the organization, and that's it. I think the revenue stream is very important to the clinics. I think it's an avenue that does give the clinics an additional revenue stream for, again, very little risk and no upfront cost. And you and I talked about this before. Is almost too good to be true because, right, I mean, is it? You really, how do you do that? Well, we do that with a good operational model and we're able to do that. It is possible and it does provide, as we've alluded to earlier, very good health care and better, we think, enhanced patient care while the patient is not actually seeing a doctor. It is a good revenue stream.
0: And it sounded like... You know, this is something that Medicare is pushing for to reduce hospitalizations, which obviously are very expensive. So they're helping clinics to provide this service and not charging their patients for the service, at least most of the time. So there's really no cost or outlay to the patients either in most circumstances. That's exactly. Am I correct? Yeah. Yes, there's, okay
2: in most cases, as a matter of fact, we prefer to start a clinic off. In our model, we prefer to start a clinic off where there is no copay for the patient.
0: Okay, so yeah. it sounds like there's just win, win, commercial. win. You know, well, patient wins, clinic wins, hospital, you know, hospitalizations go down. So that's a big win for Medicare.
2: Well stated, by the way, the patient does win, no copay. They know somebody is monitoring their, their vital signs there are people getting in touch with them when things don't go right. So we think the patient wins. And obviously, the clinic the clinic wins from a standpoint of better patient care and an enhanced revenue stream. So yeah, it is a win-win proposition
0: for everybody. I kind of asked you guys to talk about remote monitoring in general, kind of help us understand why it's beneficial to everyone. But I want to give a shout out to Integrated Telehealth Services, because like I said, when I was kind of researching this, I found that your platform was very customer friendly. I love that you're reaching out to patients when there is a potential problem, you know, whether it's blood pressure, oxygen levels, whatever that is, um, your system has been set up to be very proactive. If clinicians wanted to reach out to get more information about your company, Integrated Telehealth Services, how would they get in touch with you?
2: We have a couple mechanisms. One is obviously my company email address is sam at integrated telehealth Okay. If any of your listeners would like to reach out to me personally visa, via email, we'll respond to them, obviously. The other is a uh, contact phone number. That phone number is 804 484 0285. So either one of those ways, if you wanted to reach out, learn if, you, if, if we haven't covered something that your listeners are interested in relative to RPM, we'd be glad to answer it, okay? okay? We're here. We are first and foremost, a promoter of remote patient monitoring. Obviously, you like people to do business with your company, but we think this is the right thing to do. So if you want to simply know more about the process, Give us a call. Dr. Pollock, and I will make ourselves available and uh, give you as much information as we can.
0: And I guess you kind of touched on it, but let me back up one second. You talked about trying to find the potential patients that might benefit from this. How involved is the clinic in this and how much time are they talking about, you know, trying to go through their database and identify these patients?
2: They don't. We do it all. We actually go in and look at the codes, can tell people that have two chronic conditions, right? So we identify that. That makes them eligible. That's one of the hurdles that makes them eligible. Then we look at insurance providers to okay. determine insurance eligibility. The clinic does zero work relative to that. Then we send that list to the, pay, to the clinic. To have them look at it, relook at it, and they may say, "Hey, why is patient X or Y not on the list?" And we go over with them, okay. right? So we continue to look at it and we continue to vet database. But the clinics—that's the beauty of our process. The clinics don't really do anything to create that list and that patient eligibility. Again, my experience is when you go into the clinic, I see a lot of people in the clinic in the office wearing a lot of different hats.
0: Sure. Everybody's so busy anymore.
2: Everybody is so busy. And really, I don't know that any clinic would really want to do this if it created work up front. Right? Yeah. So how well you can get the clinic started in the process is very important. And it really has to be turnkey. You have to make it work for the clinic. Now, once they see the feedback from the portal and the monitoring system, and they see it going into their EHRs, they see that benefit. But then when they see the reimbursement coming in, they see the revenue stream, then it becomes easier. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> sure. Because there's, there's tangible things they're seeing from, but we do it from start to finish. They don't need to spend hours going through their database and saying, okay, now who's eligible for this? We do all that for them.
0: Good deal. Well, Sam, Dr. Pollack, I'd like to thank you for being on the show. You're just wealth of information, and I really appreciate you sharing that with all of the listeners. So, Can I again, give you a
1: little historical perspective? Sure. When I was 10 years old, I used to do house calls with my father. We Went into patients' houses. So you drive to get there. You go in. You say hi to everybody because they know you. I held the EKG machine and the blood pressure cuff, and we came back. So- that was 65 years ago. It's taken 65 years to go from house calls to see patients to be able to stay at home, get your information and have the doctor see it. To me, that is one of the great miracles of our century to enhance the quality and availability of healthcare services at a much, much easier and efficient fashion. And I'm proud to be part of this process.
0: Sounds like we're coming full circle but using technology to do it. I love it. Well, again, it's Sam at Integrated Telehealth Services. If you have any questions and want to reach out to him, and I hope you'll all tune in next week for Grand Rounds. Financial Residency would like to thank our sponsor this week, weatherbyhealthcare.com. If you're ready to start boosting your earning power with locums, head over to weatherbyhealthcare.com/payday to learn more.